In case you missed it, here's a clip from episode two with Lillian Jorgensen, who is my mother and one of Long and Foster's top realtors. So when you got into the real estate business, did it turn out to be what you thought it was going to be or did it turn out to be something completely different? I, no, I never thought it turned out to be anything that I thought because I didn't know what it was going to be. Yeah. I just knew selling. Yeah. I just knew your intelligence to put it together, have the right answers. But mm -hmm. I knew one thing for sure, always to do the right thing, mm -hmm. always to make sure that you can look yourself in the mirror mm -hmm. and just always, always, your reputation is all you have. Absolutely. You start going off your reputation. So I would go a, a long mile around to make sure everything was always done right. Mm -hmm. To this day. Yep, that's fantastic. Yep. Hey, I just wrapped up uh, my episode with uh, Jerry Berry and uh, really enjoyed hearing his stories about how he went from milking cows to bowling, to selling tortilla chips, to becoming a very successful lender in Northern Virginia. I know you're going to enjoy this episode with Jerry Berry. All right. So, uh, hey, welcome. We got Jerry Barry uh, sitting down with us today. So thanks for coming in, Jerry. Thanks, John. My yeah. parents didn't think I'd be real bright, so they gave me something easy to spell. So just, <laughs> I've changed the first letter and, and, my, and my name works. I'm Jerry Barry. Yep, that's right. It's Everybody, fun to say. You know what? And every time you say it to somebody, you say, hey, you got to give Jerry Barry a call. And they're like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his thing. So it's, yeah, it's a great icebreaker. That's it's for sure. Perfect for sales. Yeah, huh? it's gotten you far, huh? <laughs> it has. That's about all I got going for me. Right? Yeah. Well, so you know, yeah, I think you got a lot going for you. So thanks, let's talk. Thanks. Let's talk about a little bit about you, and then we'll talk about some of the crazy stuff that's going on in the world today. So, so you used to be a professional bowler. I did. I did. I'm from the Midwest, uh -huh. a little town outside of Springfield, Missouri, town of about two thousand people. Uh, my whole family's dairy farmers. Dad was a farmer. Yeah. Um, he uh, sold the farm to my grandfather. And then uh, um, was hauling milk for a couple of years. He wrecked his truck two years in a row on the ice storms. Mm. And he got mad and sold his route. And they just happened to build a bowling alley right across across the road from where from where the house was. Wow! So Dad said Dad knew the guy that built the bowling alley. And this is '64. Yep. Um, and and so Dad went to Brunswick Mechanic School and started working at the bowling alley. Wow! So the way I grew up from about fifth grade on, I. Uh, um, would uh, ride the bus home because mm -hmm. we lived on a small gentleman's farm. Dad milked the cow in the morning. I milked the, car, the cow after school by hand. Mm -hmm. How many we cows? A couple cow. One cow. One, One cow. cow. Okay. Just enough for us. We right. we always had hogs and chickens, and we run a couple of calves on us to to feed the family. Obviously, right. So I'd ride the bus home, and then I'd I'd ride to town with mom, and mom and I would uh, would run the snack bar. Yeah. During the during the leagues. Yeah. Uh, while while dad ran the bowling alley, and that's how I grew up. I pretty well was in a bowling alley. Every day, with the exception of uh, uh, a few weekends, maybe, mm -hmm. uh, from the time I was in sixth or seventh grade on until I was about 25. Wow. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. So how did you transition from... Well, so, so first, I'm just going to... Let's talk about the, the farm for a second, because <laughs> you surprised just, me with that. <laughs> just a gentleman's farm. That's why no. I'm so proud of yours. Yeah, I understand. I understand. But... but so, but there's a, there's a lot of work to do on a farm. I mean, I don't, you, you know, I mean, so you came home from school every day and you had to tend to the animals. I mean, yep. that, that probably, uh, how, how did that contribute to your work ethic today? I mean, that's, uh, well, I mean, uh, uh, 
all my mother's family are all dairy farmers, and that's mm-hmm. seven day a week job. My dad, my dad, his younger man had a dairy farm also. Mm-hmm. I was too young to remember all that, but uh, uh, I mean, that's just kind of what you did, right? Uh, you know, again, when you run in a bowling alley, it's seven days a week. There's yeah, there's there's no time off associated with that, and that's pretty well what I did until yeah. I was about twenty five years old, and uh, um, so I guess you just. You just learn. I mean, going to high school, even in the summer when bowling was slow, you know, we hauled hay. Yeah. And that's a lot of hard work. Yeah, it so, is. Yeah. You know, dad worked every day, never complained about it. Uh, uh, so I don't think any of the rest of us ever complained about it. So, you know, the funny thing is, because I sat down with my with my mom here a few weeks ago, and I chatted with her and about how she grew up and all that. Dad, and from yeah. the time she was five years old, she would work in her uh, parents' store. They had, sure. a, they had a grocery store and she had the same thing. And then when she went to school, she would come home from school and she would go to work. And it's just, I mean, it's an interesting parallel uh, now that you bring it up. Right, uh, right, right. You know, just just having that, having to work when we were young sure. uh, to to support the family with whatever it was sure. at the time. So, yeah. all right. So let's go to the bowling. So, okay. so how did you end up getting into uh, uh, the professional bowling world? You know, I... Uh, Obviously, being in the bowling alley quite a bit, I, I uh, obviously bowled when I when I had a chance. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I went to college though before I realized I really did know how to bowl. That you and did know how to bowl. That I that I did know how yeah. to bowl. Yeah. So, uh, 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 going to college, obviously, my parents didn't didn't have a whole lot of money, so I worked at a bowling alley mm-hmm. while I while I was attempting college. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, so then that's when I started bowling. So I bowled my, pers- my first professional tournament when I was 18. Wow. Um, didn't, didn't make any money that day. The second professional tournament, I made money. And then pretty well everyone after that, I, I did make money. I finished second. In a, these are regional PBA tournaments, but they were good tournaments, guys right. like the, the Webbers. And, and those guys were, were in that region. So you know, I traveled around with Pete Weber for a while and, mm-hmm. and uh, was a pretty good bowler. Yeah. Pretty good bowler. Yeah. But once I got married, and uh, uh, that was that was early on. I was 21 when I got married to my high school sweetheart, and uh, after that, I pretty well thought I was just going to run bowling alleys, and then that that kind of moved past. Once you got a family, yeah. running a bowling alley gets pretty tough. So yeah. from there, I moved I moved out of that industry. Yeah, and and then uh, is that what brought you into uh, lending? It is not okay. It is not okay. <laughs> so I was at the bowling alley one yeah. night. I was running a. A, uh, a forty-lane bowling alley in Fayetteville, Arkansas, at the time. Right, they had hired me to run that. I've been there about a year and a half, and this guy just kept bugging me. I just—he just happened to be on my on a team I was bowling on. Yeah, he kept bugging me. He said, "You need to come go to work for me." He said, "You, you need to do this." Blah blah blah. He kept bugging me, so I ended up going to work for him. And the story's going to get a little bit long, right? Yeah, well, sure. So uh, you okay. you go to work with him doing what? So we were making tortillas. Okay. <laughs> At tortilla chips. I say yeah. we. It was a big operation. Well, they that were, makes perfect sense because yeah. you sell chips at the bowling alley, right? There you so go. You, you know what? You have to connect the dots. And when you so we'll keep that's your dot number uh, three, right? Yes. Dairy farmer, yes. bowling alley, tortilla chips. I got I got several dots. Okay. <laughs> Fortunately, I, my my dots uh, lined up nicely for me. But yeah. so he said, I need a a uh, a shift manager for for his his organization it was a big Mm -hmm. organization had about 400 people and they made uh corn and flour tortillas for taco bell Mm -hmm. uh sold them to pepsico's delivery system up and down the the uh the midwest there so i went to work for him 
and the owner of that company, this is actually how I got out here, the owner of that company sold that company to Tyson's. Right. So that company's still around. It's called Mexican Original. Uh, it's a division of Tyson Foods now. Uh, so the owner of that company started consulting, and that's actually how I got out here to the to the East Coast, where we mm-hmm. are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came out here to to show a guy how to make tortilla chips. <laughs> Fried tortilla <laughs> chips. They were good, too. Yeah. They were good. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, so, so how long did you do that for? Oh... Probably a total of about five years. Okay, that's a good long uh, time. In, in that industry. Yeah. Because uh, I was with Mexican Original for probably three before we started consulting. And then another couple of years, I was in Tampa, Florida, uh, Toledo, Ohio. And then I ended up out here running a guy, showing a guy how to make tortilla chips. Gotcha. And then uh, met, met my wife and, and uh, my second wife, if I can say that. Sure. And then decided to, uh, this is where I was going to end up. Yeah, makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. So, so what was next after tortilla chips? <sighs> After tortilla chips, a, uh, I, I, was, I was getting married, and a, mm-hmm. and a friend of my, of my wife's family said, hey, I need a finance manager for my car dealership. Okay. So, so which car dealership, um, if you want to say? Uh, uh, it was it was down in Warrington. I okay. I helped Joe Jacoby open up oh, his, yeah. deal, open yeah, up yeah, his yeah. dealership. His Jeep uh, dealership down there. Right, right. Yeah. But the first dealership was actually Rick Hunt Ford, okay. which is no longer that's Sheehy. Uh, Sheehy bought him out right. ten years or so ago. So I, uh, I I was I was a business manager for Joe Jacoby, mm-hmm. and then during that time, another friend of the family said, you know, you really should be doing mortgages. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, I, I think you do really well. He said. Uh, if you're any good at all, I bet you can make $75,000 a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And coming, coming from the bowling alley in the Midwest. And, right. You know, that's real uh, money. Uh, that was real money at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how I got in the uh, mortgage, mortgage industry. Uh, I started the first business day of 1994. Okay. That's right. a little while ago. 1994, 26 years. Wow. 26 That's a years. long time. So you've seen a lot of changes in the uh, industry. Yeah. You've been yeah. through quite a few cycles, I would Absolutely. say. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember driving around in my old Volvo with my bag phone and mm-hmm. calling on real estate agents like you and talking yeah. them into giving me loans. Yeah. 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 The bag phone. <laughs> You're the second person to bring up the bag phone. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, I that's, remember my first we, bag phone. Yeah. It got stolen out of a car in Chantilly one night. Yeah. And we were lucky going, going to technology, because we'll talk about that in a minute. But you were lucky if you uh, could get maybe, you were supposed to get like an hour of talk time on a fully charged yeah, bag, but yeah. the, but but you never really got that. You were lucky if you got about twenty or thirty minutes uh, once you unplugged from your uh, exactly. from your car. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. had some quick calls on those things. <laughs> so so um, and we so, had the beeper too. Oh Don't yeah, get the pager. Yeah, because that pa- was our, the pager was our lifeline. Yeah, the pa- you know I think I almost like the pager better than the uh, mobile phone because right. the pager somebody would basically page you, right? but then you could call them back when you had a moment to speak it wasn't like the intrusion like the phone is now where the phone rings and you're just constantly yeah you don't uh, answer it grabbing it all day yeah i remember the page the thing about the pager too if you wanted to go on vacation Mm -hmm. you give the pager to a friend yes 
and That's then right. and then you you actually could could take a and little you're, take a little time and, off and not feel like you were doing something wrong. Right? Yep. And if you were any good at what you were doing, your friend was always very eager to give the pager back when you returned. <laughs> <laughs> he always was. Always was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so let's talk about uh, lending and finance. Okay. So so what are uh, so so tell me about how did you get started in lending and how did you get your first customers? And I think one of the things I try to do on every one of these uh, episodes uh-huh. is, you know, want to talk to the folks out there that maybe you're thinking about getting into the sales field or getting sure. into lending sure. or getting, you know, what what kind of things did you do to get started? Because I, I know it's things have changed, uh-huh. but the yeah. fundamentals, I think, are always there. Right. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the, the fundamental things that you have to do to get started and succeed don't change to build those relationships can can be tricky. Yeah. Um, you know, currently right now, probably even a little more tricky since you don't have that one on one relationship with a lot of even the agents you talk to. Mm-hmm. You're talking to them over the phone. So it's probably even a little bit harder right now. You're saying because of the covid situation, because because of the yeah. ability not to go out and have lunch and right. and meet people and 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 get to know them. But right. I I knew a few people from being in the car business. Mm-hmm. That is and a great segue. It yeah. is. It yeah. is. And I knew, I knew numbers pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, numbers have always been pretty good to me. Probably goes back to keeping score in the bowling alley, right? Right. As long as it's not over 300, I can I probably add say. it up pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, 300 is your favorite number. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So... You know that that was always pretty pretty easy for me anyway. The whole math. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, by uh, the way, for the folks that may not know, three hundred is a perfect score in bowling. It is. Yes. So that's the yeah. significance. Twelve to strikes in a row. Yeah. All in the same game. In the same. Right. That's important. <laughs> and somebody has to. Somebody has to watch you do it too. Ex- yeah. Doesn't count. If nobody sees it. Right. 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 It's, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so relationships, car business, and uh, so you start out. So and, I knew a couple of people. Uh, um, I actually had some people wanting me to get in the real estate side of it at mm-hmm. the time, but I'd already started the finance side, yeah. and I knew I didn't uh, want to. Nothing against the car business, by the way. Right. But I knew I didn't want to stay in the car business, uh, uh, but I would recommend everybody to sell cars for a year to learn how to to yeah. be a salesperson, learn how to talk to people. Well, you know, it's funny. That's where I got my start as well. Yeah. I started yeah. out at uh, Coons in uh, Falls Church, and yeah. I recommend that exact same thing to many people. It is a great. Uh, experience to uh, to to get on the front line with the folks that way. I mean, the sooner you can you can you can make someone trust you, the the you've already won the game at that time. Exactly, and I think that goes back to the way I grew up too, because you didn't know a stranger mm-hmm. because everybody that you that you met was relatively new, growing up in the bowling alley and right. and meeting people and having to accept all sorts. Yeah. So you know that 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 means a lot in the sales game, right? Because you and I both know that. As I said just a minute ago, as soon as you can you can convince that person across from you that you're trying to help them and you're not trying to sell them, right? Then then you're going to win, right? You know, and that's what's all that's what it takes to create those relationships. Yeah, it's that uh, that that ability or that humility, let's say, right? To 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 really care about the person sitting across from you, right? So back in the day when you got uh-huh. started, what kind of things did you do to go out and meet people and build relationships? Drove around. Again, in a 1984 Volvo that mm-hmm. wouldn't really go straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. had to work to keep it on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, have my bag phone. I, I, my first loan was with an agent by the name of Jamie Herrick, if okay. I can say that. Sure. I still do loans for Jamie Herrick to this day. Wow. Uh, she worked in a little Century 21 office at the time out in uh, Bealton. Mm-hmm. 
And I went in there one day and they said, you know, no one's ever been in here. On occasion, someone will fax us a read sheet, <laughs> but, but no one's ever been in this office. We've never seen a loan officer come in there because it yeah. was, having worked in Warrington, it wasn't right. too far from Warrington and right. not knowing anybody in, in Northern Virginia. And honestly, being a little bit intimidated by some of the people in Northern Virginia right. because they... You know, that wasn't that wasn't how I grew up. And it's a different speed. Well, Warrington is bustle. definitely more of a yeah. country pace than yeah. uh, Northern Virginia. So is most of my so did they ask loans. you if you were lost. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to get me to spend the night. They didn't think yeah. I'd make it home. Right. <laughs> That's so, yeah. hilarious. Yeah, but I still do loans to this day for Jamie. Wow. Herrick. Uh, um, uh, um, so that was the first agent I ever did a loan for. Another lady out of that that uh, uh, office, but she's. She's she's left the area sure uh, since then. Of course, I've been doing this for a long time, so yeah. a lot of people have. But uh, yeah, that's. But I just drove around to real estate agents, mm-hmm. uh, uh, real estate offices. Right. Walked inside and started talking to people and say, you know, this is what I can do. As soon as yeah. they trust you, yeah, they're going to give you loans. And then, right. as long as you perform, as you well know, John, yes. as long as you perform, and that client that you're performing for is happy with that with that performance, then you're it's it's going to grow because. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but really all you want on your side of the business is for that transaction to happen without problems. Exactly. And for that client to be as happy with that lender as they are with the services you offer. Because yep. you've had to work hard to make that client yours also. Right. And now that lender right. shares that client. Right. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. right. So it's, it's uh, yeah, the realtor, the realtor-lender relationship and the builder-lender relationship right. is really, uh, it's really important because right. you don't want to do all that work on the front end and then have things go sideways on the uh, lending side. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah that's exactly for sure. Right. So how many people thinking back, do you think you had, when you were out there kind of, I, I say beating the streets, right? You mm-hmm. know, um, spending shoe leather, whatever you want to say. But how many people do you think you had to go out there and talk to before you started picking up um, clients? Do you think you were getting one out of every 10 that you met, one out of every 20? Were you getting a higher say, ratio? I would say than personally, I, w- I got a pretty high a pretty high uh, relationship rate yeah. uh, from the people that you actually had got to spend time with. Mm-hmm. The more the, their, uh, um, I mean, there were people that, that I never ended up getting, getting loans from, but as a rule of thumb, I caught on fairly quick with that group of people yeah. and you don't have to, and for you guys getting in the business, new in the business, yeah, you don't have to have that many good agents right. to be successful. The right. truth of the matter is you get you get two or three good agents, people that are that are actually selling a few homes a month. Yeah. You know, that's a career for a right. lot of people. It that's really true. is. And as I said before, if you do a good job, that particular agent's going to recommend them recommend you to to other agents they walk into because yeah. the reason they're successful is because they do the right things and other people look up to them. Yeah. So from there it just kind of it just kind of grows, and obviously, right. after twenty six years, it's it's uh, 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 hopefully I've done a pretty good job. Yeah, well, you've got a base. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Michael Schnitzer here, president of Stanley Martin Custom Homes. During these unprecedented times with COVID, we offer virtual platforms to bring our customers through the process safely. These are the same processes we've used for years with our overseas buyers. To learn more about our processes, pricing, and floor plans, please visit us at webuildonyourlot.com. That's we build 
onyourlot.com. So, so let's fast forward to now. So how sure. did you end up at uh, First Heritage uh, Mortgage? So the gentleman that got me in the business, a guy by the name of Alex Wish, mm-hmm. who was friends of my wife's family, uh, we're still together. Yep. Um, we took over a company in 2000 called mm-hmm. First Heritage Mortgage, October of 2000. There were five of us. Um, now we're, we've got a couple hundred people working That's for amazing. us. That's amazing. And, yeah. uh, uh, we've got some really, really great relationships. Yeah. Um, relationships like, like the one that you've got with Stanley Martin, we've got also, mm-hmm. and then several other builders that, that we have relationships. And that's really helped me tremendously, mm-hmm. uh, um, being able to have those, those builder relationships. One thing it does do, uh, um, one thing I think First Heritage is really good at, because we we do meet with a client today mm-hmm. and settle a loan nine months from now or six months from now, right? It gives you the opportunity to create loans, right? It gives you the opportunity to to help people do what they need to do so that they're successful in the loan that they get down down on down the road, right? You've got so, a long relationship with the what we say a long burn time, right? Because sure. you're 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 working with that client for a long right. time before it right. actually goes to its final. Close where, where where the relationship is uh, completed. Yeah, right. So I mean, we we get to take people that maybe today couldn't get a loan, mm-hmm. and then and then show them what they need to do to make sure that they can't get a loan. Right. Whether it's save money, whether it's work on credit, whether it's uh, um, work more, or, or, or those kind of things. I yeah. mean, there there are things that we can do to help them qualify for the mortgage once it gets there and that's that's really gratifying mm-hmm. and that creates some really good clients on yeah. down the road too yeah no it does you know? it does well yeah. there's a lot of folks that uh, we've sent your way that still uh, uh talk about you uh and and the service you provide thanks, so thanks, uh, thanks. yeah so so um what what's your favorite part about uh your job now so you've got you started out five of you you alex and three other folks right Right? right, and now you've got a couple hundred folks over there right. at First Heritage Mortgage. So obviously, your your job responsibilities have changed over the years. So, what do you like most about what you're doing now? I st- I still originate. Yeah. So uh, uh, Alex got out originating, but actually only just a few years ago because we always that's what we're that's what we've always been good at. So right. I still originate. Um, and then I try to help other people originate. So I'm more on the production side, the origination side of the operations. Right. Uh, Alex uh, uh, and a couple other people, obviously, that care of the, the actual day-to-day work and, and seeing all that part of it. So yeah. I don't have to get too involved in that. Right. Um, but I but I do train loan officers, mm-hmm. help loan officers with, with mm-hmm. problems and, and make sure that everything goes smoothly as far as the loan officers are concerned. Right. So from a training perspective, uh-huh. what kind of training are you? Um, is it is it coaching, personality coaching, or is it training, technical training? It's more so technical training. Okay. It's more so technical training. Making sure um, they get I all don't, the... Because I still originate... Right. I don't really just just train because I do I do originate and I have a, a great team of 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 five people total kind of myself right. that, that that originate my loans. Right. So that gives me time to help the other loan officers. But it's more so just training them on how to do things. Yeah. Uh, um, teaching them on how to use products. Right. Um, properly. Right. Right. Guidelines. That yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's always changing, too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. yeah. So, so what, uh, so let's talk a little bit about COVID and how is, how is the whole situation? 2020 has just been a bizarre year, you know, <laughs> it it's, I mean, it, it's funny. We actually, uh, we're actually recording this up on the main level of a, of a home. And we spent most of 2019 building a state of the art recording studio that we can't use because yeah. we need more space and more air. And, you know, so, exactly. so our whole, uh, plan uh, changed on a dime, but how has how has COVID affected you? And and it, it's really you know another just another thought to throw out there uh -huh. while you're answering is it's kind of a bizarre situation, isn't it? That we have a pandemic, the whole world is shutting down, but we're so busy in the our industry. It's, it's in it's insane. It's like a uh, it's a divergence of logic almost. Exactly. Yeah. You know, with technology that had already been in place, we had already seen the ability to to not have to be in the office as mm -hmm. much um, with laptops, right. you know, cell phones, all that technology. So we already had loan officers that, that really didn't come into the office that much. Mm -hmm. Our production staff, the processing team, the underwriting team, they all pretty well stayed in the office together. Right. Um, but even then, just because of size, we would have a, a, a good underwriter move to Florida. We had a good underwriter move to California. Right. We didn't want to lose them. Right. So, so because of that, we would let them work remote anyways. Right. So we'd already realized that we had the technology to do some of that. Yeah. So other than having to purchase a lot of equipment and set people up at home, uh, uh, we didn't have to make a, a big shift. Now the person at home had to have good Wi-Fi. Yeah. And there was the expense of us us giving everybody basically another work another workspace, which is right. in with with the type of work we do, you need three monitors. Mm -hmm. You can get it off of one laptop, but you need to have several screens open to yeah. to to look at the stuff that we have to look at and to keep up with everything. Right. So you know there was expense associated with that, but as long as a person had good Wi-Fi in their home, yeah, uh, with with VPN these days mm -hmm. and the origination softwares that we use, as long as you've got that, you can kind of do your work from anywhere. Mm -hmm. So we did learn a good lesson in that we don't all have to be in the office. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know we do. I do two conference calls a day, so mm -hmm. nine o'clock every morning. With we your do, with your do, team, nine o'clock every morning we do a video conference with with the five of us on my team, making right. sure that we that we know what everyone needs to be doing that day and mm -hmm. and keeping who needs this help, who needs this help, right? What help does our processors need? Those type of things. So we do that call, and then we have a two o'clock call the management team, yeah, uh, myself and and uh, seven other people. Wow. That we do what we do a management call. That's pretty intense. At two o'clock every day. That's yeah. pretty intense. Yeah, um, it's it used to be you could walk down the hall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and answer questions or bring up ideas and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So I think actually this is going to be surprising. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually helped. Yeah. Because before, as a management group, we didn't set aside. 45 minutes or an hour a day to talk mm -hmm. to the other managers in the group. Right. Figure out what we needed to do as a group to, to make things smoother. Now we do. Yeah. So I actually feel like our management team has is, is, is operated better mm -hmm. because we're having to have this two o'clock call every day. I know it certainly has helped uh, relationships and, and understanding where that frustration is and where this frustration is right. you know, between processing and underwriting and all those things right. uh, uh, and origination. So, yeah, it's actually actually kind of made us more efficient on a management group. It would be nice to have all those people back in the office. Mm -hmm. And you're exactly right. We've been so busy. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, most of our efforts have been making sure that we weren't too busy mm -hmm. and that we could 
I mean, I think we've hired, uh, uh, don't want to throw the wrong number out there, but I want to say about 40 people in the last four months. Wow. And that we're, is we're crazy. looking to hire some more. That is crazy. So, uh, um, yeah. As, as you know, we're, we're, we're growing pretty rapidly. We're now lending, uh, we have offices from South Carolina yeah. through Maryland now. Yeah. Um, and we have some other growth that, that continues to go on that, that you're kind of involved with right. indirectly too. So, uh, uh, it's been wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. What about what about the intensity of the workday? Do you find, because I used to spend a lot of time in the car. Uh-huh. I would go to a meeting. I would drive. I would go somewhere else. I would drive. Now I was on the phone, you know, with clients and staff and the team in between. But I, I, I feel like I, uh, I have very, very little downtime during the day now. You know, gotcha. it's one one meeting after another after another and you're zooming in or your microsoft teams or google hangouts or whatever it is yeah. and the level of intensity that i live with now is probably double what it was pre-covid are you experiencing any of that you know i can i can cer- i can certainly see that i know now you know there for a while we we were we're back in the office pretty well now at least several of us are mm-hmm. um, but that's really only been over the last three or four weeks, right? Right. Um, I know when I was not leaving the house to go to the office that my my inclination was to get up and get on the computer. Right. Right. So you didn't have that, even that 25 minutes it takes you to drive to the office. To that's wake a up. Bit of, that's a little <laughs> bit of downtime, you know? Yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, case in point, I've always been pretty good about working out, although it doesn't really tell, but yeah. I've always been pretty good about working out. So I would go to the, leave my house at at uh, six o'clock be in the office at six thirty. yeah had a gym in the basement mm-hmm. work out for 45 minutes be at my desk at 7 45 every day right religiously for the last five years right i haven't worked out since covid started wow because what i found and I, and I do actually have the ability to do that at the house yeah. but what i find is that i would get up and go get on the computer yeah and once you're sucked into that yep then you can't you can't pull yourself away yep and then when you add to the fact that we have uh, the lowest rates in the histories of mortgages yeah. and the most home sales that we've seen since when, 04, yeah. 03? Yep. I'm not sure if we're back at those levels yet. We're pretty close. But I yep. tell you, if we had more homes to sell, we probably wouldn't be, would exactly. we? Exactly. We just don't have the homes to sell right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the working out thing. I've got the same uh, challenge. And actually, one of the very, very first things I did when COVID hit was I, I set up uh, the home gym downstairs. Yeah. But it it's not uh, the same as I'm, I'm getting better at it. I'm sure. getting back to it. It's it's yeah. it's a totally different experience. You know, when you go to the gym and you put your phone in the locker and you put your shorts on and you go to the equipment right. and you're at it and you're in your own zone and mm-hmm. there's nobody interfering with what you're doing you can get right. in a good workout and right. when you're when you're in your house it's definitely it's not the same experience mm-hmm. and the same uh, level of uh of of intensity with the workout that's for it's sure definitely, definitely. Yeah. i completely agree yeah plus the whole waking up thing you're exactly right yeah it's hard to walk downstairs and get on the equipment yeah but if you had a cup of coffee you're on your way to the office yeah you know you've got time to get a little more motivated so yeah, yeah. exactly 
Yeah. So that's the excuse we've got, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, 10 pounds later. And we're going to ride it. We're going to ride that pony all year long. It's all about COVID. I blame everything on COVID, right? You know what? Everybody is. Everybody yeah. is. It's That's yeah. crazy. It's definitely the excuse of the year. It should be COVID 2020 <laughs> instead of COVID-19. No. Yeah. No, definitely. So, so what, what about, what about your, uh, what about your uh, team? You know, have you noticed, has, has everybody on your team done okay? Or do you, do you have people, uh, you, you know, just to kind of throw something out on our organization, uh-huh. I think I think we initially all went into shock. I think we we didn't really know what was coming oh and we made a lot of very quick decisions. And then we had to deal with upgrading some laptops and we had some technology issues. Right. right we had right. webcams that weren't quite up to par and. You know, so we probably spent about three weeks, maybe a month um, going through that. And then I noticed that some of the folks on our team just started almost, I don't want to say went went into depression, but I think the reality started to set in like the world had changed, you know, but we didn't have time. Did you go through anything like that on your team? Did some folks have uh, struggles or did everybody just adapt easily? You know, I mean... I'd, I'd like to think that we, we really didn't miss much. We haven't had a chance to. Well, John. you know what? Fair enough. We haven't had a chance Fair to. enough. You guys pro- probably never, ever got a second to catch your breath. Never, and we actually never. we actually had some pretty good downtime, yeah. I think, in the very beginning of this. Uh, right. yeah. no, we didn't. We didn't have it. We went right into, uh, uh, you know, rates dropping to all-time lows just about the, you know, what we're yeah. talking about, March, right? Yeah. February and March, when it all started, rates were already low at the time. So we already had a lot of business. And then you drop into to where rates are just yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then they just kind of stay there. And, you know, all indications are they're probably going to stay there for a while longer. Yeah. So uh, uh, just a great time for anybody being in the real estate industry, yeah. whether whether we're selling homes or whether we're financing homes or mm-hmm. whether you're you're a client selling homes or buying a home, right? Couldn't be a better time to to, to be doing that. Totally uh, agree with you. Tell you what, it's a real nice relief too to see people finally making a little bit of money on the homes that they purchased a few years ago. Yeah, because that's what was missing for a mm-hmm. long, long time. You know, no, I agree with you. Going up to two thousand four, yeah, if you'd owned a home, you'd made some money on it, and you could move into that four bedroom house and sit right. at town if you wanted to because you had you had a hundred thousand dollars to put down yeah you know that was missing for a long time mm-hmm mm-hmm no that's true and it's coming yeah. back yeah no, we're gonna bad. get some more price appreciation i think uh, also no yeah. i completely agree good completely agree good like what you're hearing on the go with john show please share it with your friends they can sign up at gowithjohn.com So let me shift gears on you. Okay. So any We're not uh, going back to bullings or cows, are we? No. I mean, no, I like no, no, no. We've moved on. But you know what? It's so funny. It's it's just so funny. I I uh, I actually sat down a few years ago and chatted on on microphones with a dairy farmer out in Shenandoah County, and yeah. she spent her whole entire life uh, milking cows twice a day, two a.m. two p.m. And, uh, yeah, I mean, she's, she's, she's 80 years old now and she's still my neighbor and, and I still see her, but it's really a, uh, 
you know, she's never gone anywhere, never gone on vacation, and she's been there for the cows her whole life, and it's really yeah. an interesting thing. So when you brought that up, it kind of caught my attention. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's you, the way it is. Yeah. I mean, even even as a kid growing up, just having the one cow, that was yeah. that was still a big responsibility because if she didn't get milked within a certain amount of time, you knew it real quick. Yeah, she'd start yelling at you. Yeah, but you yeah, and you had your dad doing it in the morning. You only dad had to get the morning. one shift, right? I only had to do it. Yeah. Except a lot of times, dad would wake me up on the weekends like. Come on, milk for me, would you? Yeah. <laughs> and then most yeah. of the time, I got up and, and milked for him. So on those days, we yeah. we'd trade, and I'd do it in the mornings. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Because he wanted to, he wanted to stay in bed. But, no uh, doubt, I don't yeah. blame him. Yeah. Why have kids if you can't uh, shed some of your responsibilities on them? Right. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so any challenges or any um, any obstacles that you hit along the way that you feel like you can uh, chat about and and maybe how did you overcome them did you hit any struggles along the way you know i think in the real estate industry we obviously had the financial collapse of 2008 i don't know how that impacted you but you know any other uh that's definitely the biggest thing that 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 we saw hit our industry and that and that we've had that we had to to work through was that 2007 2008 cycle where mm-hmm. pretty well everything everything went away yeah. production for me probably went to um, about 40 percent uh unfortunately um, my my production that was still that was still a great living right. for me so i wasn't too concerned about that but but that was definitely tough and there were definitely times when you know you didn't know if the company was going to make it yeah you know you got all this overhead you don't have a lot of business so that's a pretty stressful so, yeah. situation i've been in yeah. that boat a few times yeah. it's uh after after uh uh, 9-11, I had some uh, challenges with my marketing company. It was sure. really tough to get through that. And that's that's a hard... Yeah. And, and you know, we sit here and talk about it for five minutes, but when you're living in it, you're talking about going to work every day. Um, you know, when we were when we went through that cycle, um, Mike Schnitzer and I were in the office pretty much seven days a week. Yeah. You know, we were in there uh, with clients on weekends and, you know, solving problems and working through, uh, you know, we had to work probably 10 times as hard for every sale, I think, because folks were scared. Absolutely. I mean, it was a really yeah. uh, difficult time to buy a home because the financial sure. markets were going crazy, The all the things you were going through. So, you know, take us into that a little bit if you can. So when you're going to work every day and you're you're trying to put on a happy face for the customer, right? right? But then you got to turn around and look at your books. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, fortunately, there was, there was business during that time period. So it wasn't like there wasn't business. There were rates after the that period dropped. So there was actually mm-hmm. a little bit of refi boom to from a lending standpoint to work it out. What, mm-hmm. what was so difficult for lenders at that time was that if you sold a loan that, that someone foreclosed upon you could have what's called a buyback where you mm-hmm. had to basically buy back that $200,000 loan or whatever it was. Right. And what does that so, mean exactly? So if you have to buy it back, now you uh-huh. have to pay, you, you have to come out I, of pocket I with your money. $200,000. Right. Yeah. So you have to have enough, enough income to, to, to generate, to keep going. And that's why a lot of lenders didn't make it during that, during that phase. I'm very proud of the fact that we did make it. Yeah. Uh, uh, for one thing, we didn't do a lot of the, the loans that, that, that were sent back to lenders because they weren't they weren't done properly and mm-hmm. you know all the loans that went went through at that time. Yep, the no doc uh, loans, the you could walk declared in declared income. Yeah. yeah, if you had a seven hundred credit score, you could walk in and and you could do one hundred percent financing, and we have to verify anything. Right. 
you know, right. and it wasn't really our fault because you would have the, the big companies, the, the countrywide, so Wells Fargo would come and say, hey, on that second trust, I don't, want to, I don't even know if they've got the assets. Right. You know, if they got a 700 credit score, they're never going to default on, on anything. Mm-hmm. I blame the whole thing. Obviously, there's a lot of greed involved as sure. far as the, the bonds and everything that were available. But I blame the whole thing on credit scoring. Mm-hmm. I may be one of the few people that do that. But the industry felt like at that time, if you had a 700 credit score, you would never default on your loan. Mm-hmm. Right. And then so a lot of people did. Everything was good. Yeah. Yeah. Everything yeah. was good. If you had a 700 credit score, you could walk in and we could give you a 80% first with one company, a 20% second with another company you could yeah. do 100% financing uh, you could do no doc you didn't mm-hmm. have to verify anything and those loans you know it got, it got so people weren't buying houses for houses they were buying houses just as investments right now we don't have that right people are buying homes for homes yeah they're not although I'm sure there are some some speculators out there that are that are buying homes in hopes mm-hmm. that they can sell them rather rapidly not necessarily flippers but but other people too. But you know, at that time, they you weren't buying a home, or a lot of people weren't buying homes as as, as homes. They were just buying them as in, as investments. I yeah, mean, you know, you know how crazy it got. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So folks would buy a uh, home in a new community Absolutely. that was under construction, yep. and they would pay six hundred thousand dollars for it. Absolutely. And they would uh, own it while it was being built, and they locked in their price. And by the time it was delivered to them. They could turn around and sell it in some cases for eight hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it was going up that much in the cycle of a year, right? And then, and then uh, when the music stopped, sure, and you had people who bought homes for eight or nine hundred thousand, and all of a sudden the market crashed. Now they couldn't sell them, and they owed more on them than they were worth, and couldn't make the payments. Yeah, and it wasn't just the new home buyers that no. were fought, but, but there was a whole industry of folks out there that just absorbed uh, inventory and drove sure. the prices up and the lenders and the appraisers and it all just worked together and bam, there you have it. So, yeah. And, yeah. and then you also got into to the uh, the word of mouth where yeah. uh, mom and dad who worked really hard and, and had never made a whole lot of money, you know, the, mm-hmm. the normal person like you and I, um, where their friend had made sixty or seventy thousand dollars keeping keeping a house for six months and yeah. said, Hey, you need to do this. Yeah. We're gonna do it again. Right. And then so that all just snowballed into people that weren't even speculators that turned normal home buyers into speculators. Right. So <laughs> I'm gonna I've got my you know and it was years later before some of these people were able to get rid of those homes and, and yeah. a lot of people didn't walk away. Right. You know, you'd like to know that, but a lot yeah. of people didn't walk away. Yeah. A lot of people held the investment, yeah. took the beating, and then sold it when they could. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, I have I have friends that got caught in that, you know, there at the end. Well, yeah. these guys just made that much. I'm gonna buy this house. Yeah. And, you know, they they were the ones that got got stuck holding the bag. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it. We don't makes want to talk it. about bad times, though. We're yeah, going back no, to bad time. We're no, no, no. About it's about time. you know, it's about, but but it's about getting through it, right? Yeah, and it's about exactly you right. know surviving it. So, so, so I think one thing that I could say about uh, you for sure and your whole organization over Thanks. there is everybody came to work every day just like we did. Yeah, and uh, we met with the clients and we worked our way through it and we yeah. just took one day at a time and it was uh, it was a struggle for probably about eighteen months. I mean, I think it. Uh, it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah. it was a really. Uh, really tough time but uh 
you know, and then it becomes the new normal. And then you sure. kind of work your way out of it, which is kind of we're going, to, we're going to find ourselves in here this time. I think probably on the lending side, we were probably a little more fortunate than you guys were. Oh, yeah, absolutely. we did have those refinances to, to yeah. help pay the bills during those times. Yeah, and when keep you busy and have some busy. good news in between the bad news. Yeah, that's for sure. That's <laughs> it for always sure. works that way. That's, yeah. Uh, uh, definitely a good, a good industry. It, yeah. You know, the thing that, that that keeps me doing it, John. Yeah, tell me. Is is I really genuinely like that person that I get to meet on the phone. And right. I've gone to trying to set up phone calls with that's fun. Yeah. It's fun getting to getting to getting to know somebody and yeah. learn about them and find out whether you have something in common or not. Exactly. You know, that's, that's I agree what, with that's you. That's what does it for me. So we yeah. pretty well try to um I have two people that that will set up calls for me now. Mm-hmm. Talking about scheduling calls, so they'll schedule calls, and I try to do the the video call with everybody that I can, right. just so they do see and and again, if you care, and I I feel like I do care. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you care about that person that's sitting across the desk from you, uh, uh, then they know that. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't come across if you don't get to meet them. So right. I think that's very that's very important. But I really, really thoroughly. And I'm not just making that up. Of course I, you're I not. I enjoy yeah. that. I enjoy that. And yeah. and you know whether that person across from you does enjoy that or not. Right. Well, yeah. you can't be in this business and not enjoy it. I mean, Absolutely. you're 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 talking to. I mean, we're we're you and I are probably talking to. I mean, you're you're probably talking to more people than I am at this point. But you're probably how yeah. many people a day do you think you meet new people? Oh, uh, oh! I new people a day, yeah, or a week. Yeah, let's yeah. let's say five a day. Five a day. So you're five meeting twenty five people that I probably yeah. talk to. Yeah, whether, and then you and then you probably have how many two or three or four conversations with them over the course of uh yeah yeah so yeah. so that's uh, twenty five new folks a week at is least, at yeah least yeah and I think that. I'm solidly doing about three to five a day yeah makes I bet, we're sense. probably about the same on that yeah it's yeah. it's uh yeah it's pretty it's it's it's, it's yeah. definitely uh it's definitely a grind for you're sure you're right if if uh, um, I firmly believe that that's. That's the, the big trick to sales is not selling anything. And you know that. Yeah, exactly. The big trick to sales is is, is helping people Seek achieve, first to understand, yeah, yeah. Achieve what they want to achieve. So. Yeah, yeah. So do you have any uh, any advice uh, for the folks that might be listening? So uh, about being a lender, about uh, being a dairy farmer, about being a bowler, you know, any words of wisdom, any messages for your uh, for the youngsters that might be listening out there that are uh, wondering what to do with their lives? Do I go to college? Do I not go to sure, college? Sure. Do you, you know? Did you go to college, by the way? You did. I went for a little while. Yeah. Went for a little while. Yeah. Then I decided I want to be a professional bowler. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. How many years? Yeah. College, you go to, yeah. I just went to one, yeah. So, yeah. at the time uh-huh. that you left school, uh-huh. were you scared? Were you like, Am I making a big mistake here? No, or? no, no, because I was working at the bowling alley, which yeah. is all I'd ever done. So, you were good, you know. I mean, that's all I've done. I had a lot of experience in that, so I wasn't worried about that, right? Uh, uh and I'd always thought that I wanted to own a bowling alley, and yeah, that would probably be, be where I ended up. Dad never owned his, he just worked at one, yeah. Um, but do you I'd ever regret kind of not like going that. to college? Finishing it out? No. Or, no. You know what? I never did. Yeah. I never did. I, I didn't go to college either, and I don't I regret did. it either. It was not, it was not my uh, space at the time. Yeah. I think it actually made me better, John, because I had to work really, really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in the tortilla industry, let's talk right. about that for a minute. Yeah. I mean, you're at the, you're at the you're at the plant at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. 
and you're trying to get 100 people to do things they really don't want to do. Yeah. You know, for the next <laughs> yeah. eight hours. Yeah. Because you're running that particular shift. Yeah. And, and none of the work that they did was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So that was really hard work. The bowling alley was seven days a week. Uh, uh, the car dealership. Same thing, you know, mm -hmm. it's, that was, that was, you know, six days a week at the time. Yeah. So I have to say that mortgages is by far the easiest job I've ever had. Mm -hmm. And, and obviously I've been doing it for 26 years. So, yeah. um, but I think that's, I think there are some experiences that, that young people need to have, mm -hmm. uh, uh, to develop the work ethic necessary to, to make any type of sales position work for them. Right. A lot of people can have that that uh, uh, ability to, to, to connect with people and, and create those relationships. But you still got to have the work habits to make the rest of it happen. Because mm -hmm. there's still a lot of other things in there. It's not just about meeting that person. You got to be able to, to perform once you've done that. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would uh, highly recommend uh, uh, anyone to, to be in the sales field, whether it's selling real estate, selling, selling mortgages, whatever, whether, whatever they're selling. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I mean, I think that's a great way because you and I both know we reap what we sell. Absolutely. Yeah. So Absolutely. If you work hard, you're going to be successful, guys. Oh, I totally agree with you. Absolutely. I totally no agree what you're with doing, you. You just got to work hard at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, college is not for everyone. That's it's for not, sure. You know, not. and if it's not for you, find your own path. Exactly. You know? right. Cut your own path and. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with the work ethic. I think work ethic is everything. Mm -hmm. I think that's the one thing that all the successful people that I meet along the way, the one thing they have in common is they've got a strong work ethic. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. some folks took the college path. Some folks didn't, you know, some folks are entrepreneurs. Some folks are doctors. Mm -hmm. Some folks are lawyers, sure. but they all work hard. Well, all they had them. to work hard to get there. And even if they did stay in college, you start talking about some of these other professions. You had to work hard to be able to do that profession. You start Absolutely. talking about doctors and, yeah. and those kind of things. A lot of people went through college and just breezed through. They didn't have to work hard or they didn't have a goal. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you have a goal and, and, and to reach that goal, you need to go to college, then I highly recommend that. Absolutely. Well, no, there's no question. That. Yeah, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, you yeah. got to go to college. Yeah, yeah. if yeah. you want to be an engineer yeah. or abs absolutely, yeah. Right. But if you don't right. know what you want to do, yeah. I can't necessarily say the college is the right place for you. Exactly. Maybe the first couple of years, but then if by then you haven't found your special purpose, then it might not be for you. Yeah, there's a lot of different uh, training programs out there I hear folks you. can get a hold of now. I hear so. you. Well, Jerry, anything else you want to add? <laughs> I think I've added quite a bit. I think right? you have too. Yeah, it's been okay. a fantastic conversation. You did great. <laughs> well, listen, so we had Jerry Berry here today with First Heritage Mortgage. Fantastic Absolutely. conversation. Thank Thanks. you for sharing your story with us. And uh, we'll have some information online so the folks can uh, find you. And uh, again, thanks, Jerry, for coming in. It's a pleasure working with you, John. John always has been. And uh, I look forward to the future. Me too, Jerry. Thank All you. Right. All right. Take care. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Go With John show. Please subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice and keep up with our latest episodes and what's going on with the show at gowithjohn.com. That's gowithjohn.com.